Welcome to The Being Leader. I'm Annabel Graham. Hi everyone, thanks for joining me on the podcast that gets us to think about how we need to be as leaders right now and really consider where we put our attention, how we show up and the impact that we have in work and life. So in the last few episodes, we've been focusing on us as leaders, you know, really thinking about how we're being and how we're showing up in our working lives, with our teams, and sometimes even at home as well. And we've thought about, you know, what shapes our perspective and our frames our beliefs and what impact this then has on how we go about our lives, build relationships, work effectively and manage our teams and organisations. We've thought about how all this allows us to be connected to a purpose that's important to us and to tap into those values and beliefs and also the purposes and values of those around us and to really think about how we act in our lives and how we can do that in a different way rather than just the doing and executing tasks one after the other without pausing and thinking. So as well as thinking about purpose, beliefs and values and whether all of those are still fit for purpose for ourselves and that we're demonstrating these in what we say and do, we've also considered our skills and strengths and what we rely upon to operate in our worlds. We've thought about our behaviour and the patterns that create that behaviour, the rackets that we have, the games that we play and considered whether we truly approach all of our interactions having managed ourselves being deliberate in our actions and conscious of the impact that we have. So in the final part of looking at who we are, I want to come to the wider world around us, the environment that we exist in and the systems that we're part of. So we'll think about how we respond and what this can appear like to others and what we can do to be in control and feel better aligned. So if we think about the environment in which we work, whether that be work environment, home environment, society, we're in control of it, right? You know, the environment, the context around us. Or do we sometimes feel buffeted by it, blown around like a piece of flotsam at the mercy of every change of direction, every gust that comes our way? Well, that largely depends on your response to the external factors around you and your mindset. You know, for some people, we can be super positive when we end up being um, having to change direction all of the time. For others of people, it can be hugely stressful. And if we look at the last few months, we've all been going through varying changes in our environments. A global pandemic has forced us to look at what we do, how we work, how we live and how we operate. And it's given us a sharp jolt like never before. And the environment just keeps on shifting. And this means our mindsets do too. So just think of everything that you've had to consider in the last five to six months. You know, we thought about how do I keep myself, my family and my loved ones safe when there's a virus around us that we can't see, control or understand? How do I go about working from home? You know, I can't go out, I can't do what I normally do and interact with all those things that I see as normal. It's all been taken away. And in that situation, what do I do as a leader? As a business owner, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to control the change. It's happening too fast. You know, and for for some business owners, that was just like putting their heads in their hands and screaming, especially when the business was stopped overnight or couldn't trade. You know, morally, we have a right to look after our workers, to look after ourselves and to look after our families. 
But equally, how do we survive when we haven't necessarily got the money coming in? And for those people who worked in a freelance or the gig economy, then equally had similar challenges. You know, for some people, their businesses absolutely took off overnight and they were struggling to cope with it. For others, it completely halved overnight and they no longer had any income. And for some, it vanished entirely. That's a huge amount of change. In some cases, literally overnight. You know, and it makes you feel anxious just thinking about it. And if we think about that anxiety, that's what people across the world have been doing. In some cases, they've been escalating things, catastrophizing things, making things bigger in size than they are within the system, or thinking of themselves as bigger than the system when they actually are. And when that ripple effect happens, and that wider environmental system isn't working as we thought it should, and it's so massive and so challenging and so disruptive, It makes us behave in ways that we maybe wouldn't choose to behave in because we're in a state of panic or denial or disbelief. It means we forget the skills, the resources, the strengths that we have because we're trying to deal with both confusion and speed of change. And that speed of change is often the most unsettling part of it. And when these things happen, you know, when we have these huge, huge changes to our lives. We get fixated on how these things that we thought were important are. You know, those things that shaped our belief and that may mean that we're no longer opening to listening to new ways of thinking. We're stuck in those old ways. We're stuck to going back to what was. You know, thinking about when we can control things and we hang on to goals, habits, patterns of behaviour, which are often no longer viable anymore. So just pause for a minute and reflect on what happened in lockdown and think about, you know, did I recognise this in me, in my family, in the people around me, in my team? So for some people, they went into shock. And that could have been, you know, literal paralysis, what do I do now? For others, it was panic buying, you know, remember the toilet roll cues. Um, Thinking, for some it was catastrophizing, thinking that the world would end and that we would never be able to leave the house again, which in many cases seems a little bit over the top, but our brain makes us do weird things and, and that happened. We then had those people who sort of skipped the shock bit and went straight into denial. And that's, they were the ones who had the words, you know, it's nothing, it'll blow over. It'll be a few weeks and then we'll be back to normal. Oh, Oh, it isn't. Oh, well, by the autumn, it'll be okay. Note, if you're still saying this, then you're still firmly in denial. It isn't going away any time soon. It's going to continue. Get with the programme. We then had the people who moved into blame mode. You know, it's the government's fault. They should have acted sooner. They should have closed the borders. We should have ordered more PPE. Everything and onwards and onwards and onwards. Because it's always easier to blame someone or something else because it means we can avoid any involvement or responsibility. The next stage, we move on to that blaming ourselves. You know, we need to make sure that we're safe, that we don't go out, that we maintain social distancing, that we disinfect everything to within an inch of its life because we can't be too careful. We need to take this on on ourselves and if we don't do that, then we're at fault. And then we have the slump of depression. So for some people in the middle of a lockdown, 
I can't stand not seeing anyone. It's not fair. I miss humans. You know, I've not left the house in weeks. I, I can't cope with this. And then you had the others who adapted, who said, okay, I accept it. It's fine. In fact, actually, I quite like it. You know, we need to work virtually. Great. We can do Zoom drinks. The gym is out. So walking, running and online classes are in. You know, we're in it for the long haul. So what does the new way of being look like? Is it more local, more connected, more in nature, less consumer driven? Do you recognise any of those? You know, just think, which one were you? How did those responses play out in your family, your friends, your team? Because everyone went through them. It's the phases of emotional change, you know, braced on the the grief curve by Kubler-Ross. And why grief? You know, why did we go through those phases of change? Because we were mourning our old way of life, our old way of being, our old identity. Everyone being at home and unable to go about everything that they were used to doing, you know, going to theatres, pubs, restaurants, even the hairdressers, the gym, that was suddenly just stripped away. And our behavioural preferences also gets overlain on this change curve. And we can see that play out in our behaviour. You know, we had those action-orientated, fast-paced people. Now, they just did more. That was their way of coping with change. They got their heads down, tails up, and worked out, out, you know, everything that they could do to try and control things. You know, always the control specialists, always having to do things, always having to make things happen. Because that was their way of coping. You then had the networkers and the socialites who absolutely hated being on their own. Their idea of working on their own from home, even if, you know, especially if they lived on their own, was just their idea of hell. You know, so they started to host the family quizzes, the weekly drinks parties. They IM'd everyone constantly, had virtual coffees all of the time. That was their way of coping. You then have the people people. They rang everybody. Video called them, volunteered for neighbours, made sure everyone was okay. Basically just kept checking in because that need to feel helpful, to be able to help others was huge. And then you have the planners, the detail people, who always need to be completely on top of all of the finite details. They froze. It was all moving too fast. And in some cases... You know, if I looked at some of those detail people around me, they were the ones who got caught in shock and and in denial a little bit more because actually it was too much. They were the wait and see crowd because actually having to roll with things, having to move quickly, having to change their mind every 24 hours when the situation around them was changing so fast, that was just too stressful. They couldn't get their heads around it. It was too big, too massive, too difficult to hold. You know, the pandemic has shown we have little control over the environment around us. However, we can control how we respond. If you look at the responses to opening up from lockdown, you can see the same change reactions happening all over again. You know, the people who have said, actually, it's too soon, I don't want to go out. Those who've been rushing out to get into there. The same habits, the same phases of change have come out again and again. And why is this? Well, we got used to it. You know, that really severe time when we were closed down and couldn't go anywhere, that was nearly 12 weeks. That's long enough to create a habit. We established new patterns, new routines. And for some people, you know, they're not sure whether they want to go back to those old ways again. They quite like the new ones. Now, these reactions are all very natural. We all go through them. 
but how fast we go through them, how they manifest, and how long they last varies. And note, all of them are about our behaviour, what we do and what we say, how we're being, because that's where the change is most obvious. When people lose their job, have personal issues, change jobs, are restructured, the same thing happens. You know, all of these things are part of process changes, but actually it's about behaviour and language. And that's why the most obvious indicators show up. They show up in the words that say, I can't, we don't, it won't, they won't. And when you get those, it won't, we can't, you know, that's a form of denial. And, and we need to be more aware of them because I think especially when the environment around us is changing really, really quickly, we we need to try and, you know, keep putting our arms around it because that's the bit that makes us feel safe and secure. So there's naturally going to be a bit of resistance. And you'll have heard this within your organisations, within your team, but you may not have recognised that actually in some cases it's the change and when I say change, it's not changing what we're doing. It's changing ourselves. It's changing our behaviour that invariably brings out this resistance because all change is about behaviour. Even if you're asking somebody to, you know, tick a box on the right-hand side of a sheet of paper rather than the left-hand side of the sheet of paper, which is what they've been doing for the last 12 months, you're asking them to change their behaviour and the way they go about doing things. And that's why stuff is hard. That's why people don't do it. So you'll have heard it in businesses. You'll have heard people say, you know, I can't move forward because I haven't got my goals yet. My boss hasn't given them to me. Or if you extrapolate this further up the level, you'll have a leader go, my CEO hasn't set the strategy yet. If you're hearing that, I'd say ask the question, do you know, are you a leader or a follower? Because... You can take action without somebody giving you those goals, without somebody giving you the strategy. You have the ability to lead. And if you're a leader, that is what you need to do. That is what people are looking at you to do. That response to change, that response to it, comes out in those types of words. It's a verbal manifestation of shock, denial and blame. And when you hear those, prick your ears up. Because there's something going on. That person isn't accepting reality, or often in many cases, even listening to you anymore. They're putting up an invisible wall, a barrier, and your words are simply not getting through. Nor is that person taking any responsibility. They don't see that they have a part to play in this, a part to play in the change in the way that they shape their environment. They're abandoning personal agency, personal responsibility. And the thing is, we help people with that. As our leaders and as colleagues, we help people not take responsibility all of the time. And we do it because we want to make them feel better. So we rescue them. We say, oh, I'll do that for you. And we sweep down on our white horse and we save the day. No, don't do that. Enable them to do it themselves. You know, we're not helping. We're letting our ego get in the way when we do that because we want the praise, we want the recognition, the feeling that we've helped. Oh yes, that feeling because no one else gets the pleasure of helping, we do. So actually it's all about us, all about our ego and us patting ourselves on the back. So ask yourselves, how often does my, go, my ego get in the way when I step in and help someone who was perfectly able to do something on their own without my intervention? Just think about it. 
You stand back and watch your kids struggle when they're learning, when they're growing, when they're doing something different. And we have to do that with adults around us too. Whether that be our partners, our team members, people within our organisations, if we want them to take responsibility and to adapt their behaviour, we have to stop stepping in and rescuing them. We have to stop being mum and dad. When we have this change going on, whether it's massive, you know, like a pandemic shift, whether it's losing our jobs, whether it's a change in circumstances or a change in role or just doing something differently within our work environment or our home environment, we have a need to feel in control. And if we want to get things back in alignment so that it is in control, then the context in which we operate, our behaviours, our capabilities, values and identity and purpose all need to align. And we need to recognise what part of that mix of issues is out of alignment and then fix that. So let me give you some examples. You know, we might say, do you know, I'm not sure why I'm here. I'm not sure what my role is. So if you're that's the bit that comes up, I don't know what I'm, what my role is, then sort that because the rest then will start to make sense and you'll be able to define it quite easily. If you say, you know, I'm not sure if my purpose or my identity is right anymore, look at your values. What isn't sitting well with you? What isn't making sense? If you say, I'm not sure I can do this, well, you need to focus on your strengths and skills. What does the role demand? What's the gap? Because the gap is the bit we need to focus on. If the issue is, I'm not getting the response I want, I don't get on with A, B, C, D, then the issue is how you're behaving. Because you can't change somebody else's behaviour, but you can change your own. And in changing your own, you will get a different response from somebody else. So, you know, look inside first, do the work, then move forward. So think about what do I need to be doing differently? And then finally, it could be, you know, my family, my work situation, my home situation has changed. What do I do now? Well, go back to the start of this list. Think about each area. In answering them, you'll have the answers to get back to the control. You know, think about your purpose and what you're there to do. Think about what's important to you. Think about the skills that you have. Think about how you're going about things. And that will start to shape the context in which you're in, the environment in which you're in. In changing the environment in which you're in, that could either be through things that, with, that you can actually do or through things that you can influence through other people. Either way, you can only control what is within your control. And really, the things that are outside of your control aren't really worth worrying about. There's a lovely quote by the producer, Sonia Friedman. And she says, you have control over three things. What you think, what you say, and how you behave. To make a change in your life, you must recognise that these gifts are the most powerful tools you possess in shaping the form of your life. Now, if this episode's been of interest or is useful to you, I'd say go back and listen to the previous ones. Think about purpose and identity, values and behaviours. Next, we're going to start turning our focus to teams and think about how we can be more in teams rather than just doing. And we'll also continue our dialogues. The next guest in a couple of weeks' time will be Sarah Senkovitz. We'll be talking about emotional freedom technique and law of attraction. So hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to The Being Leader. 